This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Coming up on this holiday um, to commemorate civil rights uh, and the life of Martin Luther King, we're going to actually take a look back at this week's uh, forum uh, that uh, was uh, pretty uh, amazing because it's the first time, or the second time actually, I can see that, um, that the Chancellor lost control of the crowd. Uh, the last time was when um, he faced a critical faculty senate, uh, which grilled him on why he was uh, not hiring Erwin um, Chemerinsky initially to be the founding law school dean at UC Irvine. He, of course, later on did hire him back. But uh, this is the second time then where he has faced a critical audience um, at a meeting he actually the protesters organized that he agreed to go to, and all but one of the questions were uh, critical of him. And so we're going to air you that forum and uh, give you a chance to see, to hear, actually, to hear him in action. Um, so we'll be doing that momentarily. This is KCI. The opinions expressed on the show are not necessarily those of the regents of the University of California, nor the management of KUCI. Uh, I'm very happy that you've all come out tonight to participate um, in this public forum on the budget crisis and its impact at UCI. Um, our, our, our impetus for having this event was to provide a public space where students can voice um, their questions, their concerns, and their discontent about the decisions that have been implemented in response to the budget crisis. And we're very happy that this forum is taking place and that undergraduate and graduate students came together uh, to make this event happen. Because it's actually been a very difficult and long road to get this public forum to actually take place. Just a brief background on how everything came to be. As we all know, the increase in privatization of public education due to the cut in state funds towards higher education had, and led the UC regions to have a third, vote on a 32% increase in our student fees throughout the UC campuses on November 19th at UCLA. The UC regions' decision was met by frustration and discontent by several hundreds, if not thousands of students from all around the UC campuses gathered at UCLA to express their frustrations. As a result, and in solidarity, the next week at UCI, hundreds of students rallied once again to express their frustration and discontent with the decision. Out of that rally came a student coalition group whose main, main purpose and focus has been to advocate for student issues and student rights that haven't been really talked about. Um, a, lot of hard work and due to, a lot of hard work went into planning this event, and due to the enthusiasm of the campus, and the excitement of the campus and the village of work here to put this forum together tonight. Let's talk about these student issues. So one of the things that we're hoping will come out of this is that all of you will have an opportunity to discuss um, what the situation is that we're facing, both at the state level. We're being told continuously that our attention should be directed towards Sacramento, that that's where the problem is. Um, but many of us feel that there's also a problem at the top level management of the UCs. Uh, including administration here at UCI. So tonight is an opportunity to ask your questions, specifically of our administrators here, and to ask broader questions about the problems that we're facing. Um, so I want to just uh, explain the format so that we're clear on uh, how this event is going to take place. Um, the Chancellor will open uh, with a 10-minute presentation on the broad issue of the budget crisis that's impacted at UCI. Um, the remaining time after the 10-minute presentation will be devoted to Q&A. Uh, we've set up uh, uh, to, to assure that you know, all of you uh, get an opportunity, that as many of you as possible get an opportunity to ask your question. We do have some time limitations. Uh, those of you that come up to ask a question, and there'll be two mics at the end of each aisle here, you'll just line up and we'll alternate. Uh, those asking the questions will have one minute to ask your question. Uh, and I believe there was index cards passed out in case you wanted to write your question beforehand so that when you come to the mic, 
um, you have the question thought out and written out in order to, to, uh, to be able to ask it within a one-minute time frame. Uh, then the, the chancellor or other administrators will have an opportunity to respond or answer the question, uh, and they will have three minutes to answer the question, and we're going to ask both uh, our administrators and, of course, the audience to try, try to abide by the time limit, because we do only have an hour and we want to make sure uh, that as many questions as possible uh, get asked. Okay, and then Joe and I will come back at the end and we'll have some concluding remarks. Um, but now I'm going to turn it over to our uh, timekeeper slash moderator, uh, who's going to uh, run the show from now. Um, so again, thank you everyone for being here today. Um, hopefully we'll be able to, you know, have a successful dialogue about um, what's going on. Um, and again, to echo what Dennis was saying, let's please be mindful of the time. Um, if you can, please, if everybody got cards, write your question on the card so we can get concise, um, a concise question. And, then, and to the admin too, um, if you can be mindful of the time and be concise in your responses and answers, that would be very helpful to maximize the time that we do have. Um, so now we're just going to move on to opening remarks by Chancellor Drake. Uh, thanks very much. Very nice to see everyone here. And very pleased that you could all uh, join us. We have had a couple of dozen uh, forums on the campus during this past year to talk about various aspects of the university and how we were dealing with the budgetary circumstances that our campus, our university, and our state find uh, facing us. And uh, this one is uh, particularly good because it, it uh, features students and focuses on student issues. And we're very interested in hearing from you directly and in giving you a chance to um, have your questions addressed. I will say we, the, the room, I know we're limited to an hour in the room because there's someone who's in the room after us. There's no, but this is not the only time in which we can uh, meet together and address questions, etc. So, you know, if, if it turns out that as we go through the evening there are questions that are remaining, and I imagine there will be, or other things that you wish to address, then that's the daily work that we do, and we'll talk about ways that you might have those things addressed, because that's a, a part of, a very much a part of our moving forward. I think that we have a tremendous opportunity, and your being here really uh, helps in us as we address this uh, tremendous opportunity. And the opportunity is to make real and lasting contribution to the debate as it goes forward, to make a real difference in the future of our university. We've been under siege for some time, particularly this last budget cycle. I spoke with some alarm and urgency at the Regents meeting in July, and then again at the Regents meeting in September of the hardships that we were enduring and the risk of real and lasting damage to the university that could result from this year's budget cuts. Recent developments, uh, I would say, though, very nicely have given us, given us a hope. And I believe that at least in some areas, our message has been heard. We have very strong support uh, illustrated this week from the governor, and this is a tremendous step in the right direction. The governor's January budget was released just the uh, day before yesterday. We now have a critical task, though, and that critical task is making sure that the legislature is fully informed, we need to make sure that our representatives have the information that they need to protect the university as they deliberate the budget this spring. The time for that advocacy is now, and I really ask for you to collaborate with us so that we can make a difference. Many of you have uh, engaged in these activities already. I know that I, I see several people in the audience who have worked with us on the letter writing campaign in December. I think those letters were received and that that message was heard, and I think that helped uh, the favorable treatment that we have in the budget we in higher education in California, but there's much more to do uh, between now and, and June. Uh, for tonight's discussion, I'm uh, joined by several of my colleagues from the university leadership. We're all here to give you information that we hope will serve you as you work in support of the university. I'll speak briefly uh, and address a few questions, and then we will uh, open the forum for questions that come from the, uh, come from the audience. We hope, as I mentioned, to have a continuing series of forums and uh, dialogues where we can uh, address and discuss and begin working on building a collaborative consensus so we can move together toward issue resolution. And I can assure you that everyone in university leadership 
is committed to the exchange of ideas between you, who are our trust holders, those that we serve, and between all segments of the university family. We're approaching tonight as a listening forum, so we're here to openly and respectfully listen to your points of view and your concerns, and we'll do our best uh, to um, uh, address those, and we know that you will listen respectfully to, to us. There are five or six issues that were uh, shared with us as being most important in this sort of general themes from uh, the student leaders who worked with us uh, on organizing tonight's event. So let me uh, address those five or six themes, and then we can get to the uh, specific questions. Let me say also that, I, we're, that as I mentioned that many people from university leadership are here, so as you address questions, some of them uh, may be specific to one or another area, and we wanted to bring, make sure there's someone here to be able to answer those, those questions specifically. So one question was about budget uh, transparency and, and how the budget of the University of California is established. The budget process within the UC system is multi-layered. The budget is built at the office of the president each year, very active uh, efforts over the summer, with extensive input from the campuses. It's discussed publicly uh, September and then November regents meeting. The regents uh, have an open uh, public discussion and then vote on the budget at the November meeting. Meeting the governor, release, governor releases a preliminary state budget, which includes the proposed UC allocation in January. And this is discussed and debated through May when the governor's so-called May revise is uh, released. Uh, and then the governor's May revise goes to the uh, sort of the leaders of the House, of the, of the Assembly and the Senate and the governor. They meet together, they come up with a budget uh, compromise, and that's the budget that the Assembly votes on uh, uh, by statute before the end of uh, June, in fact, sometimes not that soon. Uh, uh, but the assembly then votes on the budget, and the budget is passed. That budget then has the UC budget in it. It's very specific, it's very detailed, it's very long, it's all a public document. That money goes to the office of the president, and then by formula and plan, the money is distributed to the campuses. And then uh, at the campus, through the strategic plan and the budget work group and the daily activities of many of the people here, uh, distributed out to the units, to the schools and programs um, uh, where your education takes place. We work with the deans and department heads and look for every advantage we possibly can have in the budget process, but uh, just want to make sure that you know that the budgeting process is a daily, uh, every day of the year activity for many people in their full-time jobs. Uh, talking about fees, uh, a couple of things. Uh, this year, 15% uh, as you know, uh, mid-year, 15% uh, coming next fall. Uh, so there were uh, increases that the regions reluctantly voted for. I know that you've heard the language that they used, they said, and uh, we believe that it was the most difficult vote that they had to take. Uh, but one of the things that I think is important and I want to make sure that everyone knows is that in addition to the, the, this change, there was also uh, a, a raising of the eligibility for the Blue and Gold Opportunity Plan. Can I just ask, how many of you know the Blue and Gold Opportunity Plan well? Just hands up. So that's about half the audience. Let me just say a quick word about it, just for the, those who didn't raise their, their hands. So the Blue and Gold Opportunity Plan states very simply that if your uh, income this year is 60, next year is $70,000. You're from a family that has $70,000 uh, annual income, that you pay no system-wide education or reg fee, that the fees for families uh, from that uh, earn under $70,000 a year are covered entirely by grants and aid from the state, from the federal government, and from the university. The median income for California families is about $62,000, $63,000 at this point in time. So by having a blue and gold pro opportunity program, that's at $70,000, meaning all families with less than $70,000 income pay no system-wide uh, tuition or education regi registration fees. It means that most California families qualify for full tuition relief at the University of California, and we're very proud uh, of that fact. Second thing with the Blue and Gold Opportunity Plan and other plans we have is that if your family has income up to $120,000, then the uh, uh, fee increase, uh, the impact of the fee increase will be reduced to, or the maximum fee increase will be half uh, the total increase that was passed by the, the region. So you'll be limited to half the increase if you're under 120, uh, no increase if you're under 70 because you will pay no fees. Uh, and then that tapers down to $180,000. So there's partial permission all the way up to $180,000 and only, uh, and only if the income is over $180,000 do, uh, does the full um, uh, uh, impact hit. 
Uh, <clears throat> so, and that's about 7% of California families. So I will say that a big effort was made uh, understanding that college is expensive. Uh, and the college expenses are a tremendous burden on many families, as they, they have been, of course, for generations. Uh, it's uh, very important in a public research university, a public university, to maintain access and affordability. And that's a, a, an extremely high principle held by, uh, by all those in, in university leadership. So there's uh, 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 every effort to try to make sure that access and affordability are maintained, and we hope to improve that as we move forward. We we're speaking about the uh, fees. I think that's an important thing. Another important thing, though, is to uh, remember the value of the education. And what we're here to do is to create the best possible value in education for you. There was some reason that we all came to the University of California, Irvine. And I think we all came because we're committed to the gold standard of higher education. We're very pleased this week that the uh, Princeton Review released a list of the best values in higher education. Uh, in the country, and uh, uh, UCI was listed as one of those. They listed 55 and 50 public among the nearly 3,000 institutions, and we were happy to be listed there in Princeton Review. And also Kiplinger, um, uh, a little bit ago, uh, released a list of the best values in higher education. We ranked 20 on that list. Um, uh, we've, uh, Berkeley was 18, University of Michigan was 19, and we were 20, and we're really happy to be in the upper echelons of the best value education, and that's what we're here to do. We'd like to continue moving up. We'd like to be the very best at that, and working with you, we think we'll have a chance to do that. I'll, I'll talk this fast. Okay. I will do a, a, our timekeeper is a little extra diligent, so I, I will, uh, uh, there's really beautiful prose here today, but I, I will try to roll, roll through it. What, what I want to say here is that our primary mission, that, that one of the questions was on the impact of budget cuts on student services. And our primary mission here is to deliver the finest value education for you that we can. That's why we are in higher education. It's what we do all the time. We want to enable, empower, and inspire you to be able to make a difference. We want this to work for you. We understand that it's difficult, and we understand that by working together collaboratively, we can make it better. Okay, let me, then, let me make this the wrap-up, Diana, and then I'll answer a question. Okay, I was just, uh, and you don't, you can relax, breathe deeply. Uh, let me say two other things that, I wanted, I, that I'll, I'll, I'll answer. There was a question about the impact on diversity efforts. And I've been at uh, uh, my first diversity and outreach activities took place in the spring of 1969, so it's been 40 years. And I'm proud of all the things that have happened since then, but I want you to know that we're, we're not nearly done. There's still a great effort that has to go forward. And uh, we're determined to make sure that we have uh, uh, no impact on diversity, a negative impact on diversity here. In fact, we're committed to increase diversity as we always have been. Um, I have some other things I want to say, but um, uh, uh, I, I can hear Diane uh, breathing, uh, Diana breathing on me. So um, uh, let me just say that we put people first, and you are an incredibly important asset to us. We're here for you. I will finish this piece off there, and I'll, I'll read this, and we'll have the questions. Um, I want to encourage, there's, there's something I want to encourage and something I want to say. I want to encourage you to ask your questions tonight, but also participate with us in the process of contacting those people who are the decision makers in Sacramento. That really is where the budget is decided on. We're put on the table with everything else. We have to protect ourselves. If they know that it's important to us that that budget is maintained, it's easier for them to have the courage to do that. That's critically important. Uh, I also want to say that we be, uh, that we came here because we believe in this gold standard. We believe in the power of the university to advance science, to advance creativity, to advance innovation, to advance our community, community, and to advance you, our students. We believe in the rights of every member of our community to express their views in the context of our values, particularly respect and civil rights and human rights. We believe in all members of the UC family, and we provide. We, we, we will be tireless, excuse me, we'll be tireless in providing you with a future that uh, gives you the best opportunity to change the world and achieve your goals of success. So let's hear your questions and let's start a new era of dialogue. Thanks very much. So happy to uh, have questions and I'll either address them or uh, address them to the people I think can answer them, can answer them best. Um, so are you going to stand here? Well, why don't we see, well, let's hear the question first and see who it's addressed to and we can take it from there. Okay, um, so we're moving to the Q&A section. Um, if you have a question, please line up. 
Um, I'm just going to point to you this way, point to you that way. You have one minute, and I'm very diligent on time. So uh, please stick to one minute. And um, also, again, to admin, if you have a response, let's be as concise as possible. Uh, so let's begin. Go ahead. Uh, I just had a question about the, uh, the teacher's pink slips that they got last, uh, last uh, year, was it? Tell me again now. The, the pink slip that the teachers got, the lecturers? Yes. Um, is there anything being done now that our, that our uh, student fees have been increased to keep their jobs? Yes. So uh, the question was about uh, lecturers whose contracts were not renewed. And part of the hardship, many things happened to bridge this budget gap. You know that the budget cut was over $800 million, uh, an unbelievable cut. And everything that we did was to protect the quality of this university that, that's been built over decades here and over more than a century statewide. And so the sacrifice was a shared sacrifice in many quarters. As you know, all of the faculty and staff took uh, furlough pay cuts. So everyone participated in, in doing that. We've had a, a hiring freeze for over a year, and so people were getting compensated less and being required to work more. Uh, many contracts were not renewed, uh, and many of those were lecturer contracts that were not renewed, and what that meant was that faculty had to take on an increased teaching burden. Uh, this year, as we go forward, and particularly if we are uh, treated reasonably in Sacramento, the money that comes back will help us to fill some of those gaps and holes that were created, particularly in that uh, central core mission, which is delivering quality education to you. There are other places where we will still continue to work hard. I mean, what Sacramento is proposing is only about 25% of the money that we would have had in normal budget years, so we still have a great gap to fill. We'll continue to work hard on that. but. A big focus of everything that we get is to try to continually put forward the right educational product for you, and that's, uh, that's uh, an area of great focus. Thank you. Hi, this question um, concerns the humanities department. Why does that departments like humanities seem to be worse off um, as a result of the budget cuts? Yeah, I think we should answer that. I. Um, There's a floater mic. Yeah, so maybe let me have the provost about that specific question, okay? <laughs> So I'm Michael. Is this? Yeah, I think you can talk louder. Can, can, can you hear me? Yeah. So I'm Michael Gottschall, the provost. Uh, actually, um, the budget cuts that were uh, distributed on the campus in each of the last two years, uh, very harmful, very unfortunate. Uh, academic units received a proportionally smaller share of those budget reductions that support units did. Uh, and on average, uh, each, each school received the same budget reduction. There was about a 1% difference uh, between uh, the schools in terms of the reduction. Yeah, so humanities did not receive a disproportionate Great. Hello. Hi. So, as you should be aware, graduate students teach an awful lot of the classes on this campus. They do an awful lot of the discussion sections, they grade the papers, they create the research. They are in the labs every day and every night working hard to make sure that we create new knowledge and that we educate our undergraduates. Yeah. Your Girl and Gold program only applies to undergraduates while graduate funding is being cut left and right. What are you going to do about that to maintain our graduate student base? First, let me say that uh, the graduate student contribution to the university is tremendous and we appreciate that very much and the provost will address your question. <laughs> I actually agree very much with uh, what you said about uh, the grad program. I uh, couldn't agree with more. One thing I would say, however, is um, uh, the, the campus has uh, privileged and prioritized grades. So in each of the last two years, uh, the budget group uh, took the entire grad program off of the table before the election to be made. And so one thing that we did was uh, Protect the graduate program from the budget reductions that the advanced campus took, as a matter of fact. So, uh, and, and, and in part because of many of the things that you just uh, mentioned. Uh, this is a research university, it's a university that uh, prides itself on the strength uh, of the graduate program. Uh, and graduate uh, student support is fundamentally important. The uh, central campus uh, support for the graduate program today is in excess of 25 million. I have a follow-up question, if you don't mind. Okay. 
So, yes, you protected the graduate block, but by raising fees, that meant that there was less money to go around, so the students were cut anyhow. So how are you going to? Just maintaining the graduate block in the face of rising fees does not protect graduate students on this campus. How are you going to address that? We'll address that. No, we want to be not too, but I'd like you all to uh, uh, address that as well. That's a good one for you. <laughs> well, well, I, uh, we would love to address this because we would love to actually not have a cut from the state. Part of the hardship that the state cut provides is it actually gives us less research. And so um, it would be terrific if the state would uncut uh, to provide us with those resources. Um, but, but each year when there is a fee increase, for T, uh, we um, add to the mission that we provide to the schools uh, the increase of children's fees. So you're right that the graduate block not being cut means uh, uh, when uh, costs go up and expenses go up, it goes less far. And that is a, that's a true hardship for the graduate block. I think. I hope we share some of the hardship. Yeah. Who's next? Okay, can we? Uh, yeah, next question. Thank you. So on many occasions, including this one, you've advocated for us to um, write our senators yeah. and, and our legislators and things like that. Um, however, when we were writing you and um, signing petitions and asking to meet with you in appointments, we were kind of the only people in Santa Claus. And so <laughs> I was just wondering, like in dealing with us as students that are lower income on the power scale, um, and uh, you, in dealing with us, you were elusive. And once we became more militant and we had protests and rallies and things like that, you finally agreed to come and have this open forum with us. So I was wondering, you know, you're dealing with us, how has that changed your dealing with Sacramento? So let me just talk about what, what writing does.
Um, also, just due to time, like instead of clapping, we do this thing called snapping. So let's give people some love like this, all right? President Udall's catchphrase is mediocrity is not an option, and he claims that pay cuts for top level administrators would send valuable individuals away from the UC system. This is one of the justifications for balancing the budget on the back of students and workers. And since you keep diverting questions to other people in the audience, let me ask you this directly. If your salary gets cut another 10%, will you start looking for another job, or will you live up to the rhetoric of shared sacrifice?
truly to protect your ability to, to speak freely, to learn the things, and to make up your mind. So that's a, a critical part of what we do. And I, but the police chief may wish to wish to say something about signs. I don't know about that. So, I'm Paul Hennessy. I'm the police chief here on campus. Let me address your, your question. I don't specifically know the circumstances that you're talking about. We do, as a matter of course, work with student affairs and student conduct in terms of removing uh, anything that's posted that would be inappropriate, would be offensive. Now, uh, there would be circumstances that, that I can't particularly address. However, I will say this, that if you have a specific incident which you have a complaint about or you feel that it was removed inappropriately, we do have a means, and I am more than happy to look into a specific complaint and address those, and if we have a training issue, if we have another aspect that we need to look at in terms of how we do it, I'm more than happy to look at it. This is the first I've heard of this particular <laughs> Thanks. Uh, so, uh, I'm sorry, 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 I'm
And I say if you look at the uh, UC of 1940, you saw what turned into the California of 1960. And the UC of 1960 was the, what turned into the California of 2000. And the UC of today is what's going to be the California of tomorrow. And if we want that California to be the California that we know and love, we have to make sure that we protect its future by protecting its most valuable resource, which is the, the minds of its young people. So, so that is the, the reason this is so important. And uh, some of you have different ideas about who might do what and, and whatever else. Let me say again. Uh, uh, that I uh, have spent a tremendous amount of time working with legislators in uh, Sacramento and in Washington, D.C. And I will say that I, I know many of them well, and, they, and hearing from constituents about what's important to them matters to them. They actually, I mean, I must say anything good about politicians, but they don't want to do a bad job. And when they have real information and understand what's really happening, it helps them to make the right decisions that help us. And moving that needle a little bit helps us a lot. And so for biology, which has been impacted this year, to not be impacted as much next year, the real important thing is collaborative advocacy between now and June so we, have, we can do the most we can to move forward. I see, let me say, light at the end of the tunnel. I see, I see this is light. We're not nearly there. This is a quarter of the cuts being restored. But it moves us in the right direction and puts us in the place where we can go forward. I think that that's critical. So thanks for your question. Thank you. I think instead of, there's a lot of anger in the right now, instead of directing the anger towards the country, I think it would be more productive just to move in my standpoint to perhaps use that anger and write to your legislators. by the people, in, the decision makers in Sacramento that we've been talking about tonight. So there's a, a way to impact that process uh, uh, throughout by working with the legislature according to the constitution of, of the state. And um, the reject and regents meetings are public, and all the regents' deliberations are public. And let me say that people are invited. Oh, can I make one? Sure. Uh, the UC regent meeting at UCLA was not public. In fact, the police were uh, brutalizing our students. Let me say that I go to the regents' meetings. I've been going, I go to all the regents' meetings, and they are by, let me say, they are by law public. And here's how that happens. There's room inside. The room is only a certain type, but there's room inside where people come to the meetings, and let me say the public attend every meeting. 
and also the meetings are broadcast. So all of that information is uh, public by law. It's controlled by the law and by the Constitution. The people who de determine this are those who govern the state. And um, all I can say to citizens who uh, feel uh, discontent with the way the government works, the way that you do that is by involving yourself with the governing process and working to change it. And, um, uh, and that's what I would uh, I, I'd suggest. I mean, that's the, the regents of the university are the body that has been constituted to uh, direct this university since its origin. It has risen to be the highest ranking and most celebrated public university in the world. That's great. If there are ways that they ought to do things different, you, should, you contact the regents directly and you work with the state government leaders on that. And that's the, that's the public process that's set up to do this. Thank you, Chancellor Director. We appreciate the opportunity, this rare opportunity to voice our concerns and our questions to you. Yeah. So, um, I was at the UCLA protest and just to kind of touch on this earlier, but I saw many um, students being tased and beaten, even though we didn't have any kinds of weapons. And so, I don't know if this is true, so um, please you can correct me, but I heard that when um, police officers are using excessive force, other police officers kind of like pull them back. And there are clips of other officers pulling other officers. Back. So I was just wondering, even though you didn't make the decisions to, this was at UCLA, so you didn't necessarily make these um, decisions of the police, but did you feel that the, that the reaction from the UCPD was truly necessary? You're asking me to, to comment on events that I was not present at, and uh, uh, I mean, Ryan, I wanted to say. If, yeah, we just, we just want to know if, we have, if, if you felt that the reactions of UCPD to students that go to UCR, that go to other campuses, if that action was warranted. Because you know the campus, we just want to know how, feel, how our administration feels about what can happen. So, so let me make sure I answer the question appropriately. I mean, it's a, a, a complicated question. So, well, let me say there are two pieces here. So one is about what do we feel about, let me say something about campus police. And uh, I work uh, closely with the police chief and with campus police on a routine basis. We have uh, things that come up on a routine basis that have to do with protecting you and the rest of the people on the campus. And I will say that uh, we have an outstanding force of people who do everything they can to protect uh, all of us here on the campus. You know, we've talked about this, that we've had violence on the campus that was quite severe. And these people put themselves at risk to protect us, and we appreciate that. In the circumstance at UCLA where I wasn't, or other places that I've not been, I think there are very difficult decisions that are made, and what happens after those uh, decisions is that people review the circumstances to determine if they were appropriate, and I believe that that's underway now. And so I, what, I don't, what you're asking me is I don't have any specific knowledge of what happened, and I think that the, a review is, is taking place now to make sure things are okay. I, I'll, I will say this. I, um, well, I went to school in the 60s. Uh, that some of the other officers here with me. And uh, we were uh, witnessed directly, and under, uh, I was tear gas and everything else, like, like most of the people my college were at the time, and we saw police brutality. We saw people being out of whack and out of range, and it was terrible and inappropriate. And I'll say there have been dramatic improvements since then. I don't know that we're all the way near, near where we uh, need to be, but I know that we're very, very cognizant of making sure that the police that are here to protect all of us, do their very best to protect us, and uh, that we assist them in doing a good job of that. Let me, let me have the chief say a word. I would appreciate a comment. Yeah, just the chief can say a word. You have one minute. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> good. The, let me say this. The, there was a lot of emotions that were present at UCLA. Any time that you have an event where you have that potential for damage, injury, that there are responsibilities for officers on the scene to try to protect that. I will say that not every decision is going to be made with 100% perfect accuracy. Everybody in this room is human, every police officer is human. I cannot specifically address what you're saying because I did not witness those events. Now in terms of heard lots of stories about tasering and beatings. However, having heard from officers on the scene, it certainly wasn't that to that degree or that extent. Allow me to finish. Without your second, I can show you the images. 
of that interest. Simply put, we're not going to resolve this question tonight. There's none of us that can answer your question. We can't address the fact whether things were done correctly or incorrectly. I do know that there's a review going on, just like there's a review that's going on up in Berkeley and Davis. And that's the best that I can address in terms of answering your question at this point. Thank you. Um, so we only have a few minutes left. So... Wait, wait. Uh, Chancellor Drake, uh, I don't think this is working, but I'll just ask you, huh? We've had a lot of, um, I've heard a lot of like double political talk, double talk, and so I'm just going to ask you a question uh, man to man about your philosophy. What is the difference between a private and a public university, and do you feel that the actions to raise fees 32% is an action that privatizes the University of California or makes it public and accessible to every student sitting here tonight? So I would say that, um, I, as you know, I've been at this university, as I mentioned, I've been here for 38 years. And this is the most difficult time we've faced. And I will say that through those 38 years, I'm proud of the work that I and my colleagues have done to keep this university affordable and to make it accessible to people, particularly those who don't have the, haven't had access to high-quality education in the past. Uh, I've had a career of doing that. In fact, there's, uh, I, I would stand with anyone on having done that. It's what I do. And so I think that raising fees is an awful uh, solution to a problem. It's a, it's a horrible solution. What I, the, the best fees, I loved it, up through the early 90s when the fees were nearly nothing. And then the, the, the great mantra was best quality education, best opportunity, best quality health care services, best, best thought and innovation, innovation, and wide open to the people of California. I thought that was the smartest thing this state ever did. When the fees started going up, I said this is uh, bad policy. It's bad for us. What we want to do is create as much access as possible for the young minds of California to come and, and, and be educated. So my idea of the best fees would be no fees. I think that the lower fees can be the better. And, and, uh, and, and anything we can do to create access, I think, is better. So that's my philosophy. I've actually fought for that, and I'm proud and pleased of the things we've been able to achieve. I think, uh, just to make sure you have the truth about this, that many regents uh, would never have believed that they would vote for a fee increase. I know some of them well, and they would say, the thing that I care about on this board is to make sure the fees stay as low as possible. Uh, one particular regent I know said he knew he would finish his 12 years without ever voting for a fee increase, and he voted for this increase because what he saw was that the permanent damage to the institution that was at risk, unless we could bridge this together, was something he didn't think that we could recover from. What we hope is that the fees will be as low as possible and the university will be as affordable as possible. And we're working, my colleagues here in the room, uh, uh, I'll tell you, are working uh, every day at ways that we can help to bring other sources of revenue uh, to the institution because we want to continue to protect the quality of your education while making this university as affordable and accessible as possible. Thank you. Yes, Manuel. I just want to say something very briefly regarding the definition of a public university has been... Uh, my name is Manuel Gomez, Vice Chancellor for Student Affairs. I, I want to just make two quick points regarding a public university, which I and everyone I think here in this room wants to protect and sustain for the future, there's a there's a disinclination. There's almost a, a sort of a, a disbelief about writing to Sacramento or going to Sacramento or dealing with Sacramento. The definition of a public university it's as funded by the people of California. That happens in Sacramento. That's one of the definitions of a public university. A private university gets us money from the parents or of the rich students that attend it. In addition, so that's very important regarding the decision making of funding. It happens in Sacramento for public universities. And I want to defend the public university as you do. And I want to say one other thing about it. We get $51 million on this campus alone in Cal Grants. That's public tax money of the people of California voted on by the legislature and the governor coming to our students. And we make, we give out $378 million a year in some form of financial aid. And 70% of our students enrolled here at UCI are on some form of financial aid. This is important. That's the truth. This is important to understand about what a public university is. And uh, if we don't influence the, the legislature to prioritize funding, then they can keep on funding prisons, which receive more money than higher ed. 
that this forum isn't going to provide a solution to the challenges that we're all facing as students and workers on this campus, and that this is one opportunity to educate ourselves on what is actually happening on our campus, what are the decisions that are being made that are impacting us primarily. Um, so I urge you all to stay involved. Uh, I'm very happy that you came out and asked the tough questions. I think it's important that we continue to ask the tough questions of our state representatives and of our administrators. Uh, you know, they're highly uh, they're, they're highly paid. They should be able to, to answer and to take the tough questions. So I appreciate that you came out and you asked the tough questions. And I ask all of you to stay informed and to stay involved. And one way that you can stay involved is that tomorrow you can participate in supporting uh, the 150 custodians that are still outsourced on our campus. They will be participating uh, in a rally at the flagpoles at 2.30. Uh, please join them. Uh, please come out and show your support because part of the issue that we're facing uh, as students is that we're being asked to bail out the state, we're being asked to bail out the university, um, and workers, these outsourced workers and the other workers that are being furloughed and laid off on our campuses, they're being asked to bail out the university. And it's time that we say in a united voice, no, enough is enough. Where's our bailout? We need to stand together and fight for that. So come out tomorrow at 2.30 and support the work. Are you guys going to drop the charges against uh, John Brunet? Not up to us. It'll be going to the district attorney's yeah. office. So they no, haven't decided a... yet. No, no. Because you know, I was just thinking, you know, in Berkeley, the the you know people that were arrested for breaking windows, supposedly. Uh, I mean, windows were broken there, and then there were no more charges. Well, uh, from I mean, what here I am... there was no window broken, right? <laughs> uh, no, but there were there were behaviors that 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 needed to be addressed, and excuse me, and. The fact of the matter, this will be going through due process. It'll be going up to the district attorney's office. They'll be making the decision. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Uh, that was uh, actually, we ended with a little quote from the police chief uh, saying that it was up to the DA to um, drop or continue the charge uh, to prosecute John Bruning, the sociology graduate student. Uh, and the uh, rally was actually the next day after the forum, which was last Thursday already, on the workers. Uh, this is Dan Sam signing off for Subversity here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine.